A wonderful Wednesday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. The return of Dylan Brooks is one step closer, the latest on the potential return for Dylan Brooks this week, plus a historic start to the season for John Morant, backing up his words that he's a top five point guard in the NBA and a look at an exciting night for the Forex and for the FedEx Forum faithful with LaMelo Ball and the Hornets coming to visit to John Morant in the Grizzlies. That and much more on this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You know what? Let's get it going. Let's go. Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, it is a pleasure to be with you. My name is Sean Coleman, credential media member with the Grizzlies, my fourth year covering the Grizzlies. Your host here at Locked on Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast free on all platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. But also here on YouTube as well. And if you will, hit that subscribe button below. Let's us know that you're enjoying the show. Let's others who enjoy great Grizzlies content find the show, but also just makes the show experience as best as it can be for everyone possible. Also, make sure you listen and subscribe where you get your podcasts, wherever you choose to listen. Of course, we want to thank you for making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But for your second listen, all the latest from around the NBA when it comes to the league itself. It seems like every single day a new big news story is created Check out the Locked On NBA podcast the same way you could check out Locked On Grizzlies as your second listen of the day. I also want to remind you that since 1965, our title sponsor, McDonald's, has been a great source of food for those in communities across the world. But it's also been a great way to connect with those that you care for in those communities. So the next time you want to enjoy some great food and just to connect with those that you care for, certainly check out. McDonald's. So this is actually the second time I recorded a show today, but this is going to be the final cut because the second most anticipated injury update of this calendar year for the Grizzlies has finally occurred. This doesn't top when we were waiting, when we when it was injury report watch last April for when Jaron Jackson Jr. was going to return, but this is significant because Dylan Brooks has finally been updated to questionable for tonight's game against the Charlotte Hornets. A bit of history on the injury. Dylan Brooks broke his wrist in two spots while he was training over the offseason. At media day, it seemed like that the Grizzlies felt Dylan Brooks was going to be healed and ready for the start of the season. But midway through the preseason, it was announced that Dylan Brooks' injury was not healing as fast as the Grizzlies may have liked. And the Grizzlies, as we all know, are very cautious when it comes to making sure that their players are more than 100% when they return. So, end of September, or excuse me, end of, probably actually towards the early to middle part of October, it was announced that Dylan Brooks will be assessed to to three weeks later. And we're a little over three weeks from that announcement, but this past Monday, Taylor Jenkins talked about it in the pregame press conference. Dylan Brooks, he's played a few simulated games with the hustle. He's been reevaluated. It certainly looks like positive things have come to light. And now Dylan Brooks' list is as questionable 
for tonight's game. Now, the thing to know is this, is that I do think that with the Grizzlies having a game tonight, and then they're going to have a game on Friday, which will be at home, they'll go to New Orleans Saturday, and then they'll be back at home against the Houston Rockets on Monday. I do think that Dylan Brooks will eventually return. Do I necessarily feel it's going to be tonight? Not sure. I think the Grizzlies are going to test out his wrist, see if he is at 100%, and if he is, let him go. Let him see what can occur. But I do think they're still going to remain cautious. There really is no reason to rush Dylan back until he truly is ready to return. But of course, with Dylan Brooks returning, how can that impact an already deep rotation of players where there are more deserving candidates for actual rotation minutes as of right now? And now you're adding Dylan Brooks back to the mix. Well, I do think that something that is certainly likely to happen is kind of like Jaron Jackson Jr. when he initially came back from his injury. I would imagine that probably through this weekend, when Dylan comes back, whether it's tonight, Friday night, you know, I think it'll be, you know, by the by Friday, I think Dylan will be back. I do feel that there's a good chance he likely will be coming off the bench and he'll get reacclimated to getting into game shape probably over the next week or so, probably start off with 10 to 15 minutes off the bench, work his way up to 15 to 20, and eventually within a week or so, get his starting spot back where he's playing 30 to 35 minutes a night. So initially, I do feel that you're going to see the same starting lineup of Jaw, Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. Now, obviously, as I discussed on yesterday's podcast, one of the things that will be interesting to see is how will the Grizzlies take their game against Minnesota and readjust? They could potentially become more, more focused on customizing their front court rotation looks, at least, based off matchup. Basically, to make it simple, I think that over the next week, you simply will see Dylan Brooks take Zaire Williams' spot in the rotation. Zaire Williams could get more minutes, but I think at least for the next week, what you're going to see is you will see Dylan Brooks take on the role that Zaire Williams has in terms of minutes, and then Zaire Williams take on the role that John Conchar has to open the season. That means that probably 10 to 15 minutes of Dylan Brooks, maybe you know oh, around 10 minutes of Zaire Williams. But I think that that basically is what you will see over the next week until Dylan Brooks is ready to start. And then at that point, what you're going to see is Dylan Brooks getting into the starting lineup. And I believe that the eventual starting lineup for the Grizzlies will be Job, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams. At that point, you'll see DeAnthony Melton shift to the bench. And then what you'll see from there is you will see Tyus Jones probably getting 15 to 20 minutes a night as the backup point guard, but Desmond, but um, DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson then, of course, getting 20 to 25 minutes as the main pieces off the bench. So what Dylan Brooks returns mean when, means when he eventually is going to be back in the starting role is that basically you're going to see Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton as the two main contributing pieces off this bench for the Grizzlies. Again, it could be Desmond Bain and not DeAnthony Melton, but I do think that it will be Melton. I do think that Coach Jenkins will want to keep the shooting of Desmond Bain in the starting lineup. At that point, you're going to see DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson get 20 to 25 minutes a game as the main bench pieces. You'll see Tyus Jones get the backup point guard uh, position, obviously, for 15 to 20 minutes a night. So you're eight deep already 
with Dylan in the starting lineup. At that point, after the initial eight, for the first eight players in the rotation, who I think are going to remain consistent, it basically will become off matchups. Dude is shooting and potentially getting down the run more important. You may see Zaire Williams and Brandon Clark become available. Is it a slower pace half court game? You may see Xavier Tillman become more featured. But that's how I think the the overall ripple effect of Dylan Brooks being back in the rotation will be. I think with Dylan Brooks getting back into the rotation in general, but also seeing his role naturally and obviously grow, you're going to see less opportunity for Zaire Williams and John Contra. Now that could that should mean that obviously more rotation minutes are going to more impactful players, so the Grizzlies are going to hopefully become a more consistent team, but I also think you're going to see the shift focus from trying to balance being competitive and development to fully being competitive, which I think this team has earned from the coaching staff to be. Not that the coaching staff wasn't being committed to com being competitive, I just think that they're going to have give their minutes to their best players. So Dylan being back, it'll be interesting to see if it'll be tonight. I do think there's a chance. It still could be this weekend before we see Dylan Brooks back. But initially when he comes back, I do feel you're going to see him come off the bench 10 to 15 minutes the first game, 15 to 20 minutes the second game, ramping up his game activity to get back in game shape. And then when he eventually gets back in the starting lineup, Jaw, Desmond Bain, Dylan, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Steven Adams are your starters. You're going to see Tyus Jones as your main backup point guard with Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton as your main contributing bench pieces. You're going to see Melton and Kyle Anderson in a lot of times in the closing lineup with Steven Adams and Desmond Bain on the bench here in those time frames. But I also think that based off matchup, you'll see some sort of rotation of Zaire Williams, Xavier Tillman, and Brandon Clark filling out those ninth, 10th, and 11 spots in the rotations based off who the Grizzlies are playing. So it's great to have Dylan Brooks back, especially when you consider the impact that his defense is going to make. We'll certainly discuss that later on this week, the overall impact he can make defensively. But if you want to talk about impact, Dylan Brooks being back should certainly help out the defense, but that is in a move to support the overall historic start to the season that John Morant and the Grizzlies have experienced 10 games into his campaign. We'll look at that in just a moment. But before we do, it's great to have Dylan Brooks back. And the big reason why it's great to have Dylan Brooks back, because now the Grizzlies have more options than ever to make their overall play better. Well, what if you had options that could allow for you to not only make your day better due to a snack, that can be healthy and taste great, but also that gives you over 18 different flavors to choose from. That's Built Bar. Have it in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. Go to Built.com. You can choose from over 18 different flavors when it comes to Built Bar to enjoy. And no matter what flavor you choose, it likely is going to be one to enjoy. Now, again, if you go to Built.com, you put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Once you make it a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. Go to Built.com. Put in the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your next order from Bilt Bar. Can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But what about the fact that last night we once again got updated, or this week we're getting updated on the latest in the college football rankings. Plus, college basketball started yesterday as well. College season is in full swing. And if you want the latest on the school that you love, check out the Locked On Podcast Network's college 
Podcast Network. Your favorite college from basketball, football, to all sports involved. Every single one of them is covered. I know I love checking out Locked On Balls with Eric Kane. Make sure you check out the Locked On Podcast Network college show for whatever you college you cheer for. So Dylan Brooks being back is a great development, especially with the fact that the Grizzlies defense has struggled for the majority of this season. But one part of this Grizzlies team, despite many inconsistencies, up and down performances, unexpected developments, the one constant so far this season, John Morant is playing at a superstar level. That is correct. It's not It's not hyperbole. It's not giving some type of fantastical title or, or a hope that he has the potential to be a superstar. John Morant is playing at a superstar level so far this season. He mentioned it himself before the season, and I did a show. One of my first shows that I did here on YouTube was talking about where John Morant ranks among the top 10 point guards in the NBA, and is he a top five point guard right now. Well, from the perspective of this season, I mentioned that I would be surprised. It would be a hard perspective, a hard argument to get many people to agree to that John Morant would be a top five point guard this season. My perspective was more John Morant is a top five point guard among those talents in the league right now. If you were to pick them up, if you were to rank the top five point guards moving forward for the future who you would want, John Morant would clearly have an argument to be in that group. But I was wrong, and I'm glad to admit it. I was dead wrong when I said it was going to be hard for John Morant to put together put, to put together a campaign that would allow for him to be considered among the top five point guards in the NBA. Because right now, he's putting together a campaign that clearly shows he's playing at the level of a top five point guard in the NBA. Currently, John Morant is averaging 26 points in 7.2 assists per game. He's eight, seventh in the league in scoring and ninth in assists. He is the only player in the NBA who is in both the top 10 of scoring per game averages as well as the top 10 of assists per game averages. That is of last night entering those games. But the great thing about it is, is that Jaw, he's, he should, he has, he's averaging 26 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, 7.2 assists, is shooting over 48% from the field, nearly 37% from three, 76% from the line, 57% true shooting percentage. There's not just quantity that is resulting in these numbers. There's consistent quality to John Morant's efforts. And that points out that he, while he may still regress just a bit, he has regressed a bit as he's faced tougher defenses in, November, in uh, November. As the time goes on, yes, his numbers may regress a bit, but the fact that he's putting together the season that he is with 48% from the field, 37% from three, 76% from the line, that shows his scoring prowess is sustainable. So I would certainly expect for Jaw to keep his points per game average somewhere around the um, uh, lower to mid-20s and his assists obviously around seven to eight per game. But then if you want to start talking about just how special John Morant's season is beyond the fact that he's validating himself from an individual statistic standpoint as being a top five point guard of the NBA. Let's start comparing him to the rest of the league as a whole and also to, to franchise history for the Grizzlies in NBA history. First, so far this season, entering last night's game, only seven players who have played all or all but one, for instance, of their team's game, seven players in the league 
have are averaging 25 or more points, five or more rebounds, and five or more assists per game. Those seven players, Paul George, Stephen Curry, Giannis, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Vucevic, or excuse me, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, and John Morant. Those seven players are the seven players that are averaging 25-plus points, five-plus rebounds, and five-plus assists a game. Again, let me repeat this. Nikola Jokic, Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Paul George. You're talking about four former MVPs and players that have played at an MVP level in their careers. That's how special John Moran has been so far. Now, overall, he's not on the level of those players. He's not offering the same two-way ability or whole offensive value ability that those players are. But those players are in the prime of their careers. Those players have played at MVP levels. The fact that John Morant is in that group at the age of 22 is absolutely outstanding. But how rare is it that someone has started a season 10 games into the season with the level of productivity that John Morant has at his age. Well, it's pretty eye-opening as well. According to Stathead, there are only six players in NBA history who at the age of 22 or younger have produced 250 or more points and 70 or more assists in the first 10 games of their team season. Those players are Oscar Robertson, who's done it twice. Hall of Famer Oscar Robertson. LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Derrick Rose in his MVP season, and John Morant. That's that's what's so amazing about all this is that it's not just that John Morant is producing at a level that's in very exclusive company in terms of the best talents in the NBA right now, but he's doing it at an age that some of the most historic talents in NBA history, they're the only ones that have done it. And it's not just about what he's done in NBA history or the league right now. It's about what he's done in terms of franchise history. Another notch in the belt of John Morant being a truly different level of talent than this franchise has ever seen. Among Grizzlies players, in terms of Grizzlies players scoring in the first 10 games to start a specific season since the Grizzlies moved to Memphis, John Morant's 260 points this year are the most a Memphis Grizzlies player has ever scored in the first 10 games of a specific Grizzlies season. Rudy Gay is second on that list at 252 points. So the overall impact, the overall level of just absolute wonderful production of John Morant hits on so many levels. He's a top five point guard in the league right now in terms of individual statistical production. He's producing at a level that only former MVP or MVP candidates in the league right now are producing at. He's performing at a level that very few, play, at his age, that very few players in NBA history have been able to reach. And he also is now truly turning his potential into productions in terms of clearly being a player that, trans that transcends all other talents that have ever played for the Grizzlies. That's how special of a season John Morant is having. And oh, look, with John Morant playing well, the Grizzlies' ability to win despite playing a tough schedule correlates right along with that with them having a 6-4 and four record. It's been absolutely incredible. John Morant may not keep up the quality of his season going forward, but I would venture to say 
you can pretty much make it a point. You can pretty much make it a lock. Jaw is going to average in the 20s points-wise this year around 7 to 8 assists and probably will be shooting around 45 to 48% for much of the year and around 33 to 35% from three. If Jaw keeps those numbers up, you not only have an all-star, you have a player that's putting together an all-NBA campaign and, in my opinion, a player who clearly has earned his spot among the top five point guards in the NBA this season. It'll be fun to watch. But another thing that's going to be fun to watch is another very young and talented point guard in LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets visiting the FedEx Forum and the Memphis Grizzlies. It's going to be a very tough task for the Memphis Grizzlies with how good this Charlotte Hornets team is on offense. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But what I can tell you is this, is that if you feel like you're confident when it comes to your bets and wagers, I would feel the same way if I was betting on John Morant making his first All-Star game this year. But regardless of what you may like to bet and wager on, the one place for you to go to take care of all your betting needs is betonline.ag. They're back at better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to our new, uh, their new updated desktop or, model, or mobile website, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, check it out today. Bet online, where the game starts. Again, we can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day. But make sure you check out Locked On Fantasy Basketball. A lot of injuries going on right now around the NBA. Who could be good waiver wire additions to make the most of your fantasy basketball season? The number one source in the world when it comes to fantasy basketball is Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Check him out today. On tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we will recap how the Memphis Grizzlies played against the Charlotte Hornets. Was it another growth opportunity for this Grizzlies team? Could they finally put together two impressive performances like they did last week against the Denver Nuggets? We'll check out the recap to the Grizzlies' performance against the, to, against the Hornets and also talk a bit more about Dylan Brooks, regardless of where he plays tonight. How specifically can he make the defense better moving forward? All that, and then on Friday, we're going to be talking with one of the best knowledge sources when it comes to the G League and the Memphis Hustle in the Memphis area, Brandon Abraham of Grizzly Bear Blues will be joining us on Friday. All that great content coming up a little bit later on this week on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. So LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets are rolling into town to face the Memphis Grizzlies. And this is a team, in my opinion, who is pretty similar to Memphis. The strength of this team right now is clearly their offense. And the struggle of this team is clearly their defense, but it's to even more polarizing levels than the Grizzlies. The Charlotte Hornets offense is a top 10 offense in the NBA. They are arguably top five in the league in terms of shooting the three and moving the ball. And of course, that starts with their uber talented superstar point guard of their own in LaMelo Ball. But for all the defensive struggles that the Grizzlies have had, this Charlotte Hornets team is certainly not the most ideal opponent next on the schedule because you're not just getting the quantity of three-point shooting that you saw from the Timberwolves on Monday. You're also getting the quality. This team is top five in the league at shooting the three. 
They're also top five in the league in terms of assists per game. So they consistently make it a priority to make the best outcome of as many offensive possessions as possible to be a three. And they are very, very good at finding that success. So how does that impact the Grizzlies defense? Well, it's not ideal. This Grizzlies defense is going to have to really, really limit the instances where it looks confused. Against Minnesota, there were many instances in the first half of the game where the Grizzlies were just confused as to who was getting the ball handler or who was getting the guy off, you know, spotting up for a three. And before they figured it out, Minnesota had an open shot. Though they didn't hit all of them, they had plenty of them. And that is the issue. Because if the Grizzlies wind up being confused, if they wind up running into confusion once again during the early parts of tonight's game against the Charlotte Hornets, there's going to be a much higher likelihood the Hornets are going to burn them for that being the case, and you could see the Hornets get off to an early lead, like we saw against Golden State, like we saw against you know Denver as well at times. This Grizzlies team is going to have to defend the three and have to communicate well from the start of the game through the finish of the game. I talked about the Grizzlies playing a full 48 minutes. They're going to have to do that in terms of their perimeter defense tonight. But one other thing that could potentially fall into the Grizzlies' favor is that the Hornets are 25th in the league right now in terms of accuracy on two-point shots. So if the Grizzlies can find some sort of success, at least for small stretches of the game, of running the Hornets off the three-point line and just making it to where their best shot is not from three, if the Grizzlies can funnel their offense into two-point shots that really could play to the Grizzlies, um, really play to their strength, because then the Grizzlies would be able to guard those two-point attempts. And the Grizzlies also should have a good amount of opportunity to really go out and defend the three. They're not facing as balanced of an offense as they have over the past few games. So they really can focus on defending the three while still being cognizant of the lane. The Hornets just are not the threat that other teams have been. So the primary focus for this Grizzlies team is to stay disciplined, communicate, and defend the perimeter for all full 48 minutes in order to do what they can to limit Charlotte's offense. But on the flip side of things, it gets interesting for the Grizzlies because Charlotte right now is arguably the worst defense in the league. The Grizzlies should be able to find their offensive flow early and often in order to establish good offensive production to get going and to help out their defense. But here's the big key for them getting that offensive production going. The Grizzlies starters have certainly struggled here recently in terms of their offensive production. It showed, especially uh, against Minnesota. If the Grizzlies were to get off to a slow start, you could easily see this game playing out like the Golden State game did a few weeks ago. You've got a similar team who takes care of the basketball, who shoots the three well, who doesn't make a bunch of mistakes on offense. Golden State does that. Charlotte does that as well. If the Grizzlies sputter out of the gate offensively, they could find themselves down a significant margin if they're not defending the three as well. So that is certainly a concern for this Grizzlies team. But the Grizzlies should be able to find the opportunity if they can take care of the basketball, because Charlotte is a very opportunistic team. They're one of the best teams in the NBA at creating turnovers. But if the Grizzlies can take care of the basketball, they should be able to find 
favorable matchups. It's just going to have to be them finding that balance of being able to combine success on the run, success in the paint, and shooting from three. Jaron Jackson Jr., one of the things that's going to have to develop is I do think that two of the three of Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and DeAnthony Melton, they're going to have to have a good night shooting the three. Now, that doesn't mean that this Grizzlies team needs to get into an all-out three-point shootout with the Hornets, because if they're going to do that, they're likely going to lose. That would be them playing the Hornets game. The Grizzlies need to attempt to make the Hornets play their game. Focusing on trying to produce in the paint, the Grizzlies being able to create some type of turnovers that's going to disrupt the overall offensive flow of the of the Hornets. But in general, the Grizzlies being able to get their advantages in the paint and out on the run while also making threes would be a really key development for this team. So the starters getting off to a good start. The Grizzlies really focusing on playing good three-point defense and on offense taking care of the basketball and making sure they don't emphasize the three too much to where it becomes a bigger priority than finding high-percentage shots as much as possible. Those are three big keys for this Grizzlies team. They should have the advantage when it comes to offensive rebounding. You would think that they would have an advantage in the paint. But again, it's going to be key for this Grizzlies team to number one, play defense, number two, take care of the basketball, and number three, find high percentage looks consistently on offense. They should be able to do that against a defense that really is struggling right now in Charlotte. Beyond that, it's also just simply about trying to limit the individual success of several impressive Charlotte Hornets to start the season. Miles Bridges looks like a most improved player candidate himself. LaMelo Ball averaging over 20 points per game and 40% from three on over seven three-point attempts per game. Terry Rozier as well. This Grizzlies team is going to need an all-out defensive effort, not just from the starters, but also from the bench. And the Grizzlies bench, as well as they've been playing, Charlotte's bench is just as beneficial because of how well they shoot the basketball. Despite the fact that the Hornets starters are among one of the best offensive starting lineups in the league, they also feature one of the best shooting benches in the league as well. So it's going to be a tall task for Memphis. They're going to have to play good three-point defense. They're going to have to take care of the basketball, and they're going to have to prioritize good looks from three as well, while also moving the basketball as well. I do feel that the Grizzlies certainly have an opportunity to win this game because I do feel they're going to have an edge on the rebounding opportunities, which hopefully could lead to good second chance looks throughout the game. I do think they're going to have the advantage in the paint, and I would feel more confident, especially with the Grizzlies, the way that they played in the fourth quarter against um, Minnesota. I have a lot more confidence in the Grizzlies getting the stops that they need than the Hornets. But if you want to look at how this game may flow, Based off previous games, I think the Minnesota game on Monday and the game against Golden State where the Grizzlies in the fourth quarter took over the game defensively, they're probably going to need a stretch of that tonight. But why not utilize the same lineup that gave you that success in Golden State and against Minnesota? Why not utilize that same lineup earlier in the game so you can have multiple instances, multiple stretches where the Grizzlies are creating defensive havoc? If Taylor Jenkins can manage his lineups correctly, that could be another big development that could help the Grizzlies win. So the Grizzlies need to make sure to play their own game, not play the game of the Charlotte Hornets. Defend the three, take care, and move the basketball effectively, and also prioritize high-percentage shots. 
If the Grizzlies can do that, and they should be able to against a defense that's been even worse than theirs this season, they should be in a good position to win. But I can tell you this, I can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies a big part of your morning and the, for your first listen of the day. Check out the show at Locked On Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. Hit that subscribe button below. Make sure you also listen and subscribe when it comes to that wherever the podcast is available, free on all platforms. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Hopefully, we'll talk about the return of Dylan Brooks as well as another impressive Grizzlies victory on tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Talk to you. Go Grizzlies. And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast.